Welcome to another edition of Politics and Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being with us. Today, we have the honor of speaking to Matthew Deemer. Matthew Deemer is running for Congress in District 7 in Ohio. We all know the state of Ohio. We all know the state of the country. We all know that it's time for us to get new blood into making a difference in America. Matthew Deemer, welcome to Politics and Right. How are you doing today? <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. Excellent. Uh, Matthew, before we even get started, I, I know you're an owner of a small media company, etc. But there was something intriguing in reading about you that that really got to me. Um, back in the 90s, I spent some time in China trying to learn the language. I understand that oh, cool. you know how to speak the language fluently and um, and write it. That's a hell of an undertaking. Is that correct? <laughs> Well, let's say at one point we'll call it I was an expert in Chinese, uh, but, you know, I haven't spoken much over the years. So it has dwindled. I'll say I'm pretty good at I'm conversational. You drop me off anywhere in, in the country. I'll be able I'll be able to navigate life just just fine. But uh, it has dwindled down. And you are correct. Yeah, we I spent a lot of time uh, learning the language and and uh, in the culture. You may find it surprising that I started or interviewed there, but I think that speaks that's a very it is something that a lot of people would overlook initially until they understand what's all about. You want to bring back commerce to Ohio. You want to bring back business to Ohio. You want to make sure that you get people engaged in Ohio. One of the things is that with your biggest competitor not being able to negotiate through a third party, but understand exactly what is occurring when you're here in discussions. Elaborate. Well, yeah, this is what, what I think one of the biggest things is I think that um, we have we have a, hear a lot of talk about let's compete with China, let's outcompete China, let's get tough on China is always a big uh, talking point. But a lot a lot of politicians haven't been there. They don't they didn't understand like what's going on. Now there are seasoned people, uh, politicians that are have been in Washington and do understand what's going on from you know policy standpoints and so on and so forth. But I, I think that there isn't a sense of urgency besides the talking points and the rhetoric. Because you did not see how they've developed and you didn't see the potential of of America as well. When I got to China in 2005 uh, and I was living in Beijing, Beijing had uh, three subway lines, the one, the two and the 13. And by the time I left, they had uh, about 20. You know, I, when I got to Beijing, it took me an overnight train to get from Beijing to Shanghai. And now you can get there. Um, I can leave at lunch and get there before dinner. You know, they just released uh, the fastest train in the world where uh, you can leave <laughs> right before dinner and get there again right before dinner. You know, so uh, you get to uh, Beijing uh, to, uh, from Shanghai to Beijing in you know, about two hours. So. I also saw, you know, the 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 emerging middle class. I saw when I got, got to Beijing, the two bedroom, one bathroom apartment that I was living in was about thirty thousand dollars. When I left, it was about a half a million. I saw, you know, people move into middle class, buying cars, homes, you know, getting putting their kids to to school, and you know, retiring. and And I was just saying, looking at this and going, these are manufacturing jobs. These are you know, new tech jobs. These are this is a huge emerging economy. And while I when I came back to the U.S., I saw, oh, those were our jobs. Those were the things that we should be building here. And I think that once I saw that, I saw the one, the potential, I saw the loss, and I see that there's a sense of urgency to not only, uh, you know, bring all of that back here, but also we need to really start planning long term, not just, you know, every two years, you know, in every election cycle, every four years in every election cycle, you know, for a Senate, maybe six, every six years, but literally look at a 20 year plan of where does America want to be in the year uh, 2040, I'm sorry, 20, yeah, 2040, 2050. Or, or the or, you know, early, uh, 
even further than that. Now, Matthew, what we have learned to do here in America for some time now is to think exactly as you mentioned. We 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 think in we think in sound bites. We also think in short term, in the short term only. We don't think about planning, and the results are evident. Ohio is the is a prototypical and and you know even your district is a prototypical example of what happens when you have short term thinking. You get a society in decline that is easily manipulated against their own interests. Now you are in a at least a plus thirty R district. You are that is not no that is not true. It's a plus four to seven. And that's why we're running this race and it's winnable. So a I'm lot of people. I'm glad that you corrected no, me. No, and, and we have to correct people on this because this is what people think is that they're, that this is a completely red state, uh, that the, these districts are not winnable. This is not Jim Jordan's district. Jim Jordan is an R plus 30. Mm-hmm. So who's running against Jim Jordan is going to have, a, it's, it's very uphill. This one is winnable. And with the current uh, uh, decisions that are being passed down from like the Supreme Court, uh, with certain things that are happening around the country that people are seeing that they're very, you know, concerned about and fed up with, this is the time that this district gets flipped. Well, you know, let me let me, let me tell you, I, I was saying plus 30, and even with a plus 30, I was about to say, you have a hell of a chance to win, given the way that you uh, promote the policies of the district. But I'm even more, uh, I'm even happier now that you have a better chance of winning uh, now that you're telling me it's plus four, plus maybe plus four, max plus seven, because that is definitely winnable given the current policies of the Supreme Court and given a, a what I call a proactive campaign. Uh, I find that too many folks that are, uh, that, that are in, in your space have a tendency to run a cautious campaign. They try to be uh, let, let, let's, let's not, let's try to be that guy who is more, who people think are more likely to win that district. Let's be the light version of that person, as opposed to a proactive argument that says, this is what I am going to do in the district for you. Tell me, what are you going to do? What are you going to tell those people that, that are so far indoctrinated with with that modal. What are you going to tell them that you are going to do to make their lives better? And even if they don't like you, even if they don't like what you represent, they are going to vote for you because they're seeing your interest, their interest in your vote. Well, I want to push back on a word that you used, uh, indoctrinated. I think that it's not indoctrination. I think that it is uh, either... um, Apathy or cynicism, mm-hmm. because we have a lot of people that are running for for Congress. So Congress has a sixteen percent approval rating, mm-hmm. and that, and and honestly, that that's because they ju- Congress people they run. Oh, they only meet their people when they're running. Uh, we've learned that to uh, win, you raise a lot of money. So a lot of money in politics. Uh, some people don't even campaign in the district, so all they do is send flyers and mailers, or mm-hmm. uh, you know, do uh, TV digital ads. So they're not even down in their district. And then when they go to Washington, you never see your congressman any, anymore. And so if you have this cycle after cycle, and it's only exacerbating because of the amount of money, uh, you're going to have a lot of people that are just you know, hands off and fed up and fed up and frustrated. So it's not indoctrinated. I think it's just we don't know if this actually works. And so we're running a campaign that is going to be in the district that's going to talk to people. I was just out all day yesterday. I started at nine o'clock and I ended at nine o'clock and I drove uh, over 200 miles around my district with with my film crew to film a new campaign video uh, because I wanted to make sure that I was getting film 
of the town, of the people, of the places. So they know that we are in the district. And while I was doing that, I was shaking hands. I was introducing myself. I was at small towns and big towns alike. And that's what we need to see more of. I am running as a representative. I'm trying to go to Washington, D.C. DC to represent the district, the people. And the only way to do that is to go out there and talk to them and to be, to be there. And this is what we want to change. And so I just wanted to push back a little bit on that to make sure that everybody knew that I understand why you're frustrated. I'm frustrated too. And that's why I'm in the race. And so the only way we can change this is to have elect people that are going to be out there talking to you. Now, how are we going to do that? How are we going to represent people into in Washington? And that's by talking to them. And that's just not talking to your bubble, to your group. That's not just, you know, if, for example, my, my competitor, uh, he is, you know, just getting money from really big companies or organizations or PACs. And that's the bubble he's going to talk to. You have to get out there and talk to everybody. Because as you said in the intro, you know, this is a district that has seen their jobs go to China. We, we've had Ford plants here shrink from uh, in Brook Park, the Brook Park uh, Ford plant you know, had 16,000 workers at one point. Now it's around 3,000 workers. You know, people see this, people understand what's going on. And the only way you get out there is talking to the D's and the R's, the progressives and the conservatives, the people that are indifferent, that's in the middle, the people that want to do something, but don't know what party they're going to be be with. Who, who Who's going to listen to me? That's the, those, are, those are those people we have to talk to. And then if you continue to have those conversations and you continue to be on the ground, then you can go to Washington and actually advocate for your district. And that's what we're doing. Pushback accepted, pushback understood as well. Thank you. Let me go ahead. <laughs> Thank and, you. <laughs> let me go ahead and say add, add something else and and get your point of view on this. Uh, you mentioned where your your at your 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 opponent is getting funded from. Now it is a fact. I speak about this on politics done right all of the times that those same people that are funding your opponent are the same people that are causal in those jobs leaving Ohio. Have you made the connection as you promote yourself that in voting for your opponent, they're actually voting for exactly what has been occurring in Ohio and specifically in your district? Well, I, I, we've made a lot of connections, and I think one of the biggest connections that we are trying to make is that, look, one thing that is a big talking point right now, and everybody's feeling it, is gas prices, mm -hmm. right? $5 a gallon. This went down. It's about 4 or something. That's still not, that's right. still not doable crazy, for a lot of yes. It's still crazy, right? And so Democrats, Republicans alike uh, understand that these are high gas prices. What I'm trying to really tell people is that you really – you really need people to that actually understand what's happening. It has felt it in their pocketbook. That it felt it feels in their daily day to day life. One thing my opponent my opponent has is a either between and this is all public information. Uh, you know from uh, your our ethics reports. A lot of people I don't know um, know this, but everybody who runs for Congress has to disclose all of their personal finances, and so you have to put your stocks, your um, your your real estate, you know any sources of income or any kind of boards you sit on where you have influence, and you have to. Disclose that, and so by looking at the the disclosures, the financial disclosures, he has trust funds of anywhere between four point five million and fourteen million dollars. Uh, he has not worked uh, a job. He has been, you know, uh, 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 in the reserves. I, right. He did work in in the in the White House, but you know, not day to day. He's never had to worry about five dollar gas prices. He would never have to worry if even if the gas prices go to ten dollars. But so this is what we're trying to say is like this: people like this that are going to 
try to buy their way into office that are just getting cozying up to very, very rich uh, donors and influence is going to advocate for that rich donor and influence. And is not actually going to understand how to talk to the people, go out there and advocate to what's really important. It's, it's for like you said earlier, it's a soundbite to them. $5 gas prices is a soundbite to us. It is, it is, it is day-to-day life that we have to live and figure out how to manage those gas prices. Did I understand you right that that saying your opponent was a reservist who then became a politician uh, who then acquired assets between four and 14 million dollars on a job that pays one hundred and ninety thousand dollars? He is he's he's old old legacy money here in Cleveland. Uh, His family is uh, his family is known His one is his uh, grandfather is one of the most influential people in the Cleveland area. Uh, He has had a trust fund uh, from it looks like uh, in the ethics reports since 1989. It's called the grandfather or grandkids trust from their their family, plus other trusts and totaling around four to 14 million dollars. He has never had to worry about money. He has never had to work a day in his life. He has never had to. He's. And in, in, in he's moved into the district. He's actually from the other side of town. Right. He bought two houses here in the district, one for $500,000 and one for $1.3 million. So <laughs> this is not the, a man of the people. This is not somebody that's going to be working for you. He's going to be working against you. And I, that, I want to segue there exactly now about your beginnings. I usually start with action and then we get into the other things because people, most of the times when they're going to watch a new story. They want to know what are you going to do for me? I think you've done a pretty darn good job in explaining that. I have a couple more questions on that. But let's let's tell folks a little bit about who are you? How did you grow up? Why do you understand what people are going through? You lived it. Well, uh, <laughs> I always love the, the history bios because it, it can take either a short time or a long time. Um, but I was born in a Slavic village. Um, my parents were around 24 years old uh, when they had three kids. Uh, we were on, on, on food stamps, you know, the kind that you tear it out the thing and mm-hmm. you gave it to the. And, and so, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was tough going when we were, when we were kids. And my, my dad had went through uh, university while he had three kids. So my mother was a stay at home mom and she watched us while my dad went to school and work um, and, you know, ended up getting his, his master's and we moved around the district. So. One thing that I, I really uh, pride myself telling people is not only did we have you know humble beginnings, but I saw the work ethic of my parents that instilled with me about you know trying to you know uh, just you know get the job done and get get to, get to work and provide for us kids. It, that also gave us the opportunity to move all around the district. So I grew up in Slavic Village. I, I, I lived in a place called Bedford. Um, I lived in um, you know uh, Chardon and Solon and Twinsburg and Streetsboro. I'm currently in Bay Village, and so we, we I got this whole big exposure. I, I, I went to, I grew up with, with a lot of you know uh, mentors uh, growing up, and so I've I've learned you know a lot of different uh, skills you know from them, and 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 I think that that really translates to understanding or hopefully relating to people uh, a lot, so I can advocate for those these different demographics within the district. We have a district with a rural population that's, that's very big and a huge ag- agriculture, but also we have, you know, a white collar, uh, middle class. Uh, we have, uh, you know, the, the blue collar uh, working communities as well. And so, and I've grown, grown up and, and, and on all of those places. <laughs> and, and, and that's what I really want to, you know, tell people is like, 
this is part of my life. The the world agriculture is part of my life. We're living out in in, in more uh, rural places. These the inner cities is also part of my life. The the blue collar is part of my life. Uh, my dad worked in steel forging when he was going through college, and and so that was a part of our our lives. My grandfather owns a steel forging plant. That that was a part of our life. And I've heard stories my whole life about steel coming from different places. Our steel uh, factories closing down here in in uh, Cleveland, and the hardships that that provided, and finding good jobs around around Cleveland. So. That's kind of where I, I come from. Plus, you know, different uh, different career um, uh, career paths, and and currently what what we do now. Um, I think just you know creates that. Hopefully, created a person that can go out there and empathize, talk to, and carry that to Washington. So we are advocating for all groups of this district. Now, uh, I'm going to reiterate this. And and the fact that you can actually defend yourself in Chinese and understand those meetings when you guys have to make deals, I think it's a hell of an asset, especially uh, for your district. Now, uh, to, to end this, I always ask one last question because notice I didn't go and say policy, 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 policy. That's not how most Americans think. So what I'd like to give you the opportunity to do is in a summation Tell your audience, tell not only your district, because, yes, you're there to support your district, but you're also there to make policy for the United States of America. Tell your district and America, what does Matthew Deemer represent for them? Matthew Deemer represents them. And the policies that we're going to make are going to represent the will of Ohio's seventh. Look, we are one vote in in the um, House of Representatives, but that vote for the House of Representatives is going to come by by talking to the people, being on the ground and making sure that those conversations are being had and then translated to uh, Washington, D.C. We need to onshore our supply chain. We need to bring good paying jobs. We need to provide for Social Security and pensions. We need to make sure that people are re- able to retire. We need to fix our health care system, which is absolutely a, a mess. You know, and, and people are, are, are getting people are paying way too much for insurance and really getting hosed by huge bills at, at the end of, you know, just routine things. And so these are a lot of things that we really need to focus on. And the only way to do that and get it right and when it comes to policy is being on the ground, talking to people, making sure that they have a voice in this, because that's what my job is, is to get be the hub in the federal government for this district and all those opinions, and then and then advocate to get those things done. How can people reach you? They can go to DiemerForCongress.com. That's D-I-E-M-E-R for Congress.com. Uh, you can see our platform. There's a lot of policy up there. There's a lot of uh, my history as well. There's ways to sign up for our emails. There's ways to sign up for volunteering. And there's also ways to donate. And obviously, as I just told you a little bit about my opponent, my opponent it has deep pockets with deep, deep pocketed friends. And uh, this is a grassroots campaign. We're out there. We're pounding the pavement. We're on the district. You know, we're having small backyard fundraisers, not big corporate fundraisers. And that's the that's the campaign we want. I, that's the camp. That's the representation I would want. And that's the representation I'm going to build for for you. Matthew Deemer, the common sense candidate for Ohio's 7th District. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. Thank you, sir.
we spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.